to Check Your Beer, a podcast about quality control in your brewery. We're your hosts, Amy Todd, owner of Zymology Labs, and Julie Smith, lab manager at Lawson's Finest Liquids. All right, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Check Your Beer. Today, Julie and I are going to be talking about dissolved oxygen in the brewery. Yay! Where you do and don't want it. Yes, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about how to measure it, uh, some TPOs versus um, dissolved oxygen versus headspace, where and when to measure, what kind of levels you should be able to expect in your brewery, some potential ways to control it, and I've been we've been watching lots of webinars and reading lots of articles lately. So we got a couple of resources for you too. All right. So you do want oxygen in fermentation after you're done brewing. So fermentation is the only stage in brewing where you want any oxygen to get in. The yeast are going to need more oxygen than just in the environment of the wort to survive and replicate. They use it to make cell walls, sterols, and unsaturated fatty acids. They need about 10 to 12 parts per million of oxygen in their environment to thrive. The oxygen levels that are left in the wort post-boiling, it's just not enough to support the survival and quick replication of the yeast, so adding a good source of oxygen is necessary. It should be only added after the wort is cooled. If it's added at a high temperature, that can create some boil oxidation and it'll cause off flavors down the line. The most effective way to increase dissolved oxygen content of the wort is to bubble pure oxygen through the wort with a sintered stone. This is able to increase the dissolved oxygen levels immediately to levels of uh, less greater than 25 parts per million, and you want to be careful that you're not putting too much oxygen in when you're using this method. Um, too much oxygen isn't it's wasting oxygen, but it's also going to be a lot in the environment for the yeast and the wort. Adding too much oxygen results in two things. The first is undesired oxidation of the molecules in the wort, creating undesirable flavors. This is the reason the rest of the brewing process is kept as oxygen-free as possible. And the other reason is that the yeast may grow at an elevated rate, resulting in too much yeast in the fermenter. So I, I feel like there's a lot of like controversy, right, over whether you can over-oxygenate your wort or not. And so is that maybe like if you're using air... You're, you're not going to, you can't over oxygenate it that way, but maybe when you're doing pure oxygen, then you have to be a little more careful there. Yeah. One of the presentations I saw was that finding, um, the right kind of, uh, valve to measure the oxygen that you're putting in, whether you're using air or pure O2, um, you're putting it in at such a fast and low rate that it's hard to actually get a good measurement on it. Mm -hmm. So you could be pumping way more in thinking you're like right at the line if you're using pure O2, but if you're using air, you might not be getting enough oxygen out of just the air environment. So we at Zero Gravity have uh, Orbisphere 3100 from Hawk. And they have a lot of really great resources. There was a 
Chaz Benedict, I believe he passed away. But he has a lot. There's, um, what is it, Tap Into Hawk, I think, is a, a blog series that he had. And there's a couple of presentations. I think they're on both um, Brewers Association, if you are a member there, in their their resources section, there's a webinar um, that he does. And I think in the Master Brewers Association, there's one that he did as well. And he does show like a little method of measuring the work DOs with just using like a handheld sensor, like going through an Erlenmeyer flask. Um, I didn't look into it too closely, but it looked easy to do without an expensive DO meter, which yeah, we will get into a little bit later how to measure. Yes, so so that's where you do want DO, and you don't want it pretty much anywhere after that, right? Um, yeah. Anytime when you're not pitching yeast, you don't want oxygen. And oxygen pickup is cumulative. So um, every step of your, of your process, can you can keep just adding oxygen, and it's just going to um, be worse and worse for your beer. And um, the as you go, like throughout the process, the the oxygen can react with the beer and give you lower numbers. So, so as the tank sits, it can lower over time. That doesn't mean that you're you're getting better numbers. the The damage has already been done. You're just getting uh, the oxygen's reacting with with the beer, and it's in there. Yeah, if somebody says, wait till tomorrow, the numbers will be lower, and then we can package it, you're already dealing with beer that's not going to be as shelf-stable as a beer that didn't see that same spike. Right. And so I couldn't, I didn't really find anything. I don't know if you know anything about this. I know a lot of people will try to scrub the oxygen if a bright tank is high on DO, so before like closing up the tank and carbonating it, just running CO2 through to try to lower the oxygen. Uh, and, the, and the numbers will go down. Um, but I don't know if, I mean, they, I feel like, I think they go down fairly quickly. It's not like they're doing this for like hours. So I would imagine it is working somewhat, but I don't, have you heard of that? I, I've never seen it. I have heard of it. Um... And it does, it does make sense, but it, it doesn't take that long for that oxygen to get absorbed in the beer. So it's obviously more yeah. ideal to start without having to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I wonder too if it's like, well, is it just, I don't know, making it absorb into the beer quicker and you're just getting lower numbers? Yeah, because is it it, but it's the same it thing. Yeah, I don't shooting know. Further in? I don't know. So if anybody out there knows, let us know. I'm very curious. <laughs> okay, so why do we not want DO? Maybe we should have started with that. Well, so any extra oxygen in your beer post-fermentation is going to cause stale, cardboard, papery, old, off flavors. Yeah, and depending on the style of the beer, if it's a more malty beer, it's going to taste blander, 
sooner after being packaged than a malty beer that didn't have that DO pickup. If it's a hoppy beer, those hop bittering compounds are going to have a more rugged bitterness to them. Any floral notes are going to drop off. Like the the good hoppy floral citrus aromas that you want are going to disappear a lot faster yeah, if you have more exposure to DO. Yeah, when we bring in older beers on our taste panel, that, I feel like that's usually one of the easier things to notice is that the there's just no hop aroma in our IPAs. Another thing, um, color can definitely be affected. You'll just get like a really like dull, pale, I don't know, gross looking beer. Yeah. It like, we had one, it was one of the, um, juicy IPAs or the hazy IPAs that we were doing, um, at a different brewery. And, when it was exposed to oxygen in four stage, we poured it out and it looked like swamp water. It was yeah. just like, had like this weird green tint to it mm. and it was not appealing to the eye at all. Yeah. Yeah. So it definitely affects your shelf life. The higher your DOs, the, the quicker um, you're going to get these off flavors. If you have really low DOs, uh, you might be able to, you know, get, get four or five months out of a beer uh you know the really big breweries they have longer shelf life and you know they are probably better at dealing with do than a lot of us well i guess you know some of them probably pasteurized too which that doesn't help with do though so yeah hawk says to always measure packages immediately after filling but before pasteurization because the heating process allows dissolved oxygen to react rapidly with the beer and as much as 60% of the oxygen can be consumed during pasteurization. So you'll get a inaccurate number. You'll probably get a great looking number but we won't do too much the damage for... is already done. Yes. Okay. So that's why you don't want it. Um, and there are a, a bunch of different ways to measure your DO pickups. Um, all of this equipment is a little, it's, it's fairly expensive, um, but it is obviously a worthwhile investment in your brewery or brewing lab or wherever you're at um, in your brewery process. What if you're gets measured beer, gets managed, right? Is that the quote? If you yeah. can't if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So yeah, you, okay, keep going. <laughs> if you're putting beer out into the market, you need to be able to to know what your shelf life is and you need to know what impact your oxygenation has on that and you can't do anything about that if you're not measuring it. Um, so Amy and I both use the same Hawk Orbisphere 3100. It's a really good model, low maintenance, um, reliable. There are a few other models. Um, there are some membrane models that are a little more finicky, um, but they can get a little bit better readings. There's the C-Box. That's from Anton Parr, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've never used that one, but I've heard great things about it. Um, I think sounds like the only drawback is that it's a little more expensive, but sounds like it's worth it as well. The Orbisphere is, what, like 10000 I think? Yeah, um, I was just trying to think in my head. I, I think ours was maybe 9 but probably yeah, with the attachments and everything. There, 8 to 10 um, Yeah. And so we've both also had to replace the spots a couple times, right? Have you Wait, have you done that? 
I haven't had to do the one um, at my current job. Okay. Yet. Yeah. So it's only been a year. So. Yeah. Okay. We've had ours almost four years, I think. Um, and they say in the manual that the spot should last for four years. We've had to replace it twice already. Um, it's super easy to replace it. You just basically unscrew it and pop in a new spot, but it is a $500 piece. So, um, just, you know, keep in mind, um, there's a, a bit of maintenance, which, oh, that's something that we, yeah, we'll talk in a, in a bit about maintenance on there. <laughs> or I don't know. Should, let's just talk about it right now, I guess. At the end of every day, it's rinsed out with water. And then once a week, I will run ethanol through it, 95% ethanol, and then and then water. We, for the first time, did a caustic soak because we had a clog in it. Um, so that's the, one of the big issues, at least for us, is um, when measuring with hoppy beers, um, it can get kind of clogged up. So we had a clog. Do you have that little inline filter on the hose? We do, yeah. Usually, we've had some clogs before, and, like, ethanol even, like, I think one time, we, you know, we did, like, an hour-long ethanol soak, and and that did it just fine. But, yeah, this, um, so it was, uh, I think they said you could do, like, 3 to 10% um, of a caustic solution, but it's that you don't want to do that on a regular basis. That's kind of a, yeah, check with them before you do it. <laughs> I don't want to, like, have everyone, like, ruin their orbispheres. And then it needs a calibration at least quarterly, if not more. Yeah, I think I do mine, like, monthly. Yeah. Just because it doesn't take that long. I was recently reading about how, I don't know if it's all oxygen measurement ones or if it was specifically um, once, because the 3100 is uh, optical measuring I don't know how <laughs> it's it's optical versus a membrane sensor that's what I'm trying to say um but so I was reading that they can um get biofilms can build up on there you know the cleaning can help with that um there I forget where I read it but it was talking about some brewery and I think it was that they thought throughout the week that you know they were just picking up more and more oxygen um and it was actually that their their DO meter was being cleaned on Sundays, and so it was cleaning out whatever kind of biofilm had had built up, and so they were kind of starting fresh at the beginning of the week, and then that biofilm just built up throughout the week. So where was I going with their calibration? Yeah, I, think we, oh, I guess the, yeah. the clogs <laughs> and then the maintenance, and yeah, yeah it kind of tied into that caustic soak. Um, when you rinse yours at the end of the day, do you leave it packed with water, or do you like? Drain yes. it out. Yes, we leave it packed with water and in the off position. Not reading, yeah. Yeah. What do you do? Same thing. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I think they did say one time, though, not to, like, have it on when you're running, like, straight water through. Yeah, um, you because have it, it circling the membrane, but or not the membrane, the optical sensor, um, but not the instrument can't be powered on. Yeah. It's something with, like, depending on what type of water you're using, it could just damage the sensor, so yeah. it's easier just to turn it off. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, so to calibrate it, you need some ultra-pure, well, I guess, 
you don't have to use this, but <laughs> we use ultra pure nitrogen. So it's like 99.9999%. And I think the hardest thing was finding like the right kind of attachment for the tank. Yeah. Um, and well, you need the, what are they called? Like swage locks? Is that what they're called? Yeah, like the compression fitting ones. Yeah. Um, so once we got that set up all, all set, you basically just um, run gas through it for, I don't know, I think I usually do like 20 minutes. And then you just follow a couple prompts on the screen. And then, yeah, something it'll pop up like that it's like going through the right parameters or something. So once you get like all the little check marks, then... I'm not explaining this very well. When when you see it on the screen, it, it makes sense. But So once all your boxes are checked, then you hit OK. <laughs> yeah, I guess the other good thing about the Orbisphere that we have is that the prompts are super easy yeah. to follow, and Hawk does a really good job of laying out like all of the steps. Um, like in our SOP episode, it's a really good SOP to follow yeah. for pretty much every process that they have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they have a lot of pictures. Yeah, lots of pictures. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like replacing that spot, like that's in the the manual, I think, and you can find the manual online, so you don't have to actually hang on to a copy of it. Uh, and there's two, they're um, like service tech department. They're, they're really helpful too, whenever I have random questions. And so going back to other ways to measure, there, so there's the portable instruments, and then there's also inline sensors that you can get, which I've never worked at a brewery that had them. Yeah, no. And then there's also total package analyzers, which I would assume are much more expensive. I don't know how yeah, much. Yeah, they're very pricey. I've only used them at, like, demo days. I've yeah. never worked in a brewery that's had them. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't want to do that, you can also, for testing headspace airs and CO2 from Zamenagel, you, what, do you know what series that is? Oh my goodness, it's, um, it's the one with the really at. I think it's like 1700, maybe. And so you basically, you shake your can or your bottle and then you pierce it. It's a little piercing device. And then, so we don't have one now, but I used to use one all the time in Magic Hat. So, well, why don't you say, because you use one, right? I do. Yeah, so it's like 20% sodium hydroxide solution in the burette. I usually go a little stronger um, just to make sure that I'm getting all the oxygen out. So you shake your can or your bottle for five minutes. Um, I have like a mechanical shaker. It looks exactly like a paint shaker. I just hook the bottle and ca or can in and set a timer for five minutes, grab it out, pierce it, um, check the temperature by putting the probe in and read the pressure. So I get CO2 first. Um, and then you can pop your temperature probe up and open this little valve and slowly send all of the carbonation into the burette. And once the pressure drops to a certain range, you close it off and you shake the whole apparatus. 
just to make sure that the sodium hydroxide is buffering out the CO2 and leaving you with just um, oxygen or air in your headspace. So that's kind of telling you what what your concentration of unknown air is, oxygen or otherwise, but it's taking care of the CO2, so that's not represented in your total. And what's your, I think at Magic Hat we used to try to be below like 0.25 mils. Yeah, that's, if we're above 0.25, it's like, okay, what's going on? We need to, tr- to troubleshoot. Yeah, and I, I think with the bottling line back then, it was usually just the, the bottles weren't capping on foam. We just had to adjust the fobber or something. But headspace air is a really big contributor to to oxygen in your beers. Yeah, headspace air, temperature is a really a big thing, and time too. Those are all going to affect your stability of your beer. Oh, and that, so before doing... Wait, um, do you want the... Uh, you're not, are you concerned with equilibrium here, or are you just shaking to get the CO2 out for the headspace? I mean, I guess you're doing both. Like, you're pressurizing, like, you're kind of pressurizing the can. Yeah. Too. But you're, by shaking it, you're also forcing everything into the liquid. Right. Yeah, so there's, so in your package, there's, like, two ways that you're introducing your dissolved oxygen it can either be in the liquid already when it's coming over i mean i guess it we'll get to that later it could be coming from like the whole actual process of so once it's once it's in the can the two ways are that it's just came over from the liquid or the headspace air and so when you so the portable do measurements there you can use them on tanks and um, then you can also use them uh, for your package too so you just need to get a little piercing apparatus and so a lot of times you'll you'll test shaken and unshaken cans and you want to shake your cans for five minutes and this is to get the beer in the headspace and equilibrium and then you can compare those two numbers I always get it backwards, which, so if your shaken is higher, if your shaken is higher, it could be you're not getting, oh, okay, If the so if the value goes up after shaking your can, then the oxygen's coming from the headspace, but if the value goes down, um, then the major contribution is from the liquid. There we go. And so this is just really helpful for troubleshooting. Um, when you're trying to figure out if uh, if it's something in the packaging process or your headspace where where it's coming from, should we talk about TPO real quick since we oh, kind yeah. of dealt with DO? Yeah. So TPO is total package oxygen, and so that's like a combination of your dissolved oxygen and your headspace. So a lot of places will just deal with TPO. Um, we don't have a way to do headspace right now, so we just do our dissolved oxygen. Um, yeah, and there, there's a really good template on the Tap into Hawk blog. Um, so it's just it gives you an idea of what you need to get started doing that and what your measurements will be. Yeah. 
And those so, really fancy testers will, I think they just, they just do it everything, for you. right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you can also, I think, set up like Excel sheets too. Like if you're doing both the, the DO and the headspace, I think you also need like the volume and the temperature. Yeah, to do this calculation, you need to know the headspace volume. So whatever volume of air you have above your liquid in your package, your liquid volume and the package temperature. Um, the temperature and the headspace volume are critical values, and small inaccuracies can alter the results significantly, but the liquid volume can be estimated by using the average fill volume. So just try to dial in that headspace volume and make sure you're getting accurate temperatures with whatever um, probe you're reading. Our Orbisphere does temperature on top of the DO reading too, so that's typically what I use. Okay, so where do you want to measure and when do you want to measure? So um, you can measure throughout the, the process. So anytime you like move a beer, you should be measuring it. Hawk also, we should get Hawk to sponsor us. There we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so you want to be testing kind of every step of the way. Uh, so Hawk has a, they also have a, a table that has industry standard levels of oxygen throughout the brewery. So in your fermentation vessel, it should be less than 10 ppb. Um, at filtration, 5 to 50 ppb, bright beer after filtration, 10 to 50 ppb, beer out the filler, 10 to 30 ppb, in the bottle, 20 to 50, in a can, 30 to 60, and then your TPO, 40 to 150 ppb. Um, so yeah, so every time you're kind of moving a beer to, because pumps can be a really big source of DO, um, I've heard that DE filters can add a lot of oxygen, something about the iron, I think in the DE, I'm not really sure. Yeah. We don't use one, so I didn't really pay attention. Um, yeah. centrifuge can, can increase. Um, and I think one of the big things actually is just, uh, your tri-clamps, not having your hoses tightened. So anywhere you're transferring beer and, um, because there could be a little, spaces um, where you can't see that beer is leaking out because it's such a tiny leak, but oxygen can be getting in. So anywhere the beer can get out, oxygen can get in. Um, well, it's good to make, uh, make some stouts because that will really prove out yes. where your leaks are. You <laughs> yeah. see everything. Yeah. And, and not purging tanks um, before filling. So bright tanks, that can be another really big source Oh, also, I'm supposed to be talking about when be, to measure, not yeah. To get you rid can of be it. using your orbisphere to measure your oxygen content on your purge, which is super important. Yes, so that's another when to measure. Measure your purge tank before you put beer in. You can measure like beer right at the filler if you have a sample valve somewhere over there. I don't think we do. We do. We had to rig up um, a little. There's a sample port on the filler, but it's not a zwickle. It's like a barbed fitting mm. with with a tiny valve, um, and it it is the beer in line. So we hooked up a fitting to that um, and can measure from that. So that tells us 
what the beer is doing from the bright tank through the pump to the filler. And then we were also troubleshooting a way to manually let the beer backflow out of the bowl through that line to measure what the beer was doing in the bowl, but we didn't end up needing that number, so we didn't want to mess with the filler Mm -hmm. too much. Um, Yeah, where else do you need to measure? I think that's, yeah. Um, it's Do you uh, measure a dry hopping? No, well, no, we don't. We would like to, but um, the DO meter oh, just gets clogged. Clog. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we can measure, you know, before and then, I guess, like, the day after. We, oh, we didn't talk about this yet, did we? That So, you want to be measuring uh, your DO in real time, so, like, as quickly as possible. Um your so the beer can react with the oxygen did we ever check about this a little little yeah 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 so same kind of thing if it's sitting you know it might you might be getting a false low um right yeah when you're transferring like just just be like measure at the beginning um know what your bright tank is when it's fully purged out measure that first bit of beer in measure at the middle of the run and the end of the run um depending on how long those are you might just be able to leave it on the whole time but it just it gives you a really good idea of like if you're picking up spikes when your centrifuge discharges or something or when it picks Mm -hmm. back up after a discharge but it's a really good way to tell you if you are getting ingress when it's happening yeah do you have is there a way to like log like record a whole bunch of those numbers and then like on a USB, does Orbisphere do that? Yeah, it does that. It exports it to the to a USB, and you can um, give everything a name. Mm-hmm. So I have it set up for fermenters, bright tanks, twelve ounce, sixteen ounce. Um, but people also have to select those different mm-hmm. things when they go to measure them. Yeah. So okay. as long as they do, mm-hmm. it is really helpful. But when they don't, it is not. Yeah. So do you try to do that, like, on a regular basis or just, like, for troubleshooting or just every so often? or Every so often, just to kind of get the data off the machine. Um, my initial plan was to be really good about logging it, but it was one of those things we talked about earlier episodes where it was just way more data than I was doing right, anything yeah. with. And I wasn't picking up any crazy trends. We mm-hmm. really didn't need to be troubleshooting anything. Yeah. But it is just kind of like it's already set up in the Orbisphere, so it's just a back pocket type yeah. tool. So there's a, there's a ton of information about ways to control on packaging lines, canning lines, and every everyone's different. So we recently had somebody working on our canning line, and um, they were able to... We were getting our 16-ounce cans had some higher DOs than our 12-ounce cans. And it was something with the the way that the cans were being purged. I think they they started the purge earlier when the can was still open. This isn't... I don't... I'm not close enough to the canning line to know what that means at all. But um, something about the purge time. Um, and I think I do like once you have your, you know, your times, your fill, purge times, everything set, it, there shouldn't be things that you have to mess with on a regular basis. 
but some of those can fall out too mm. so it's yeah lit. like we just get a random like we've had a few that that's that switch didn't turn on in the recipe mm. or yeah or something like something bizarre happened yeah oh i guess kind of going back to when to tests like you want to be testing your deals throughout your packaging run too you know definitely when you first start up but mm -hmm. it's not just like one and done you want to be checking every couple hours because you know as the beer warms up things you know clamps can loosen you know all sorts of things you know something i don't know things change you, you can start getting some spikes and yeah, so stuff changes throughout the day. So, and this is also why, you know, if you have your own canning line, you should have your own DO meter as well. Um, don't just, you know, rely on a friend to come in with their DO meter, test a couple one day, and then be like, oh, we got great numbers, we're good. No, you need to test yeah. every day and multiple times. There are a lot of variables, variables, especially if the canning line shuts down for mm -hmm. an extended period of time for whatever reason. Like maybe they're troubleshooting the pack techs or they have to move beer around. Um, if they're shut down for more than five minutes, you're going to want to know what that DO is right when they start back up because that beer has been sitting in the bowl and the lines. It's been warming up. There's just there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, certain canning lines can do like a self rinse during the run, mm. so you want to kind of catch that and see what's happening after that happens. Yeah, and another webinar from the Brewers Association. Um, they were talking about the purge of the. So I guess we had some changed our purge a little bit but um i guess if the pressure is too high it can kind of cause like a vortex and then you're just drawing air in instead of pushing it out so that can be a source of some extra air some do some stuff with under lid gassing some canning lines will have gas tunnels and you can adjust the height on some of those they're talking about one where like you know following the manufacturer suggestion of three lids on top of a can um, and another brewery was using eight lids and so they tried that and it dropped their do in half so you know sometimes you do need to kind of tweak these things around and play with them a little bit another presentation tpo gone wild from brooke bell um of goose island this this webinar is it just came out from the um newest round of master brewers conference presentations so they worked with wild goose um to get their do their tpos down so what did i want i mean it's nice to see too that you know some of these big breweries have do issues too you know so it happens to everyone don't you know just because you've got some good numbers now don't just assume that you're good forever you gotta yeah, keep that, checking and yeah. That webinar had a good um, troubleshooting brainstorm on it. It was like a nice like spider graph of just a bunch of areas that even some of them I was like, oh okay, like yeah, that would make sense to do that before the check that before the other thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then they kind of went into some findings from their troubleshooting. Um, which I think is just like their beer style, what their can fill rate is, and their beer temperature. Like all of these have 
really big impacts on whatever oxygen you're picking up and how your beer is filling. Um, and one of the things I found super interesting was their foam guidelines. So yeah. Looking at a picture of good foam, it looks like like a perfect milk pour of a pilsner mm-hmm. versus the pour foam, which is kind of more of that soapy bubble. Um, it's not coming up over the edge of the can, and it, it looks like frog eyes. Um, so you want the dense foam with small bubbles and it coming over the edge when you're going to cap it. And I think that's a really good visual tool for troubleshooting a bunch of that stuff, like your what beer style, your can fill rate, and what your what your gassers are doing before it's getting capped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think they even like modified the the line to add like a a foam scraper. Yeah, uh, so it, it looks like, like a, a yeah like a cheese grater. Which apparently you can buy now from Wild Goose, and they now come standard in their canning lines. But yeah, so I think they found some things that like they were able to keep constant. Um, and then just change kind of some other variables. And so, you know, that's just kind of a good rule of thumb for troubleshooting too. Um, and, and so, and they found some of the, the big things that were influencing their DO was the beer temperature, the filler base pressure, uh, the dissolved CO2 in their beer, the fill can rate, and the beer style. So that's a, a good check that presentation out that was one of our resources all the hawk stuff's another resource um yeah there's so much stuff on the mbaa and the brewers association like it's it's obviously obviously an issue all brewers are concerned about so there are just Mm -hmm. there's lots of people talking about it all the time yeah and it's like some like little tweaks can yeah cut your do in half so, so it's not all bad news. It's good news too. And then your beer will last longer and customers will be happy. So it's well worth the time and effort. Uh, oh, another um, interesting thing um, is the CO2 purity. Um, mm. I don't know if this is like really an issue. I mean, if most people are just getting really pure CO2 anyway. Or not? At Lock Trail, we had an issue where we were seeing, when we would get a CO2, a bulk CO2 delivery for the brewery, we would see this crazy amount of pickup. So we had to end up um, like using our gehaltimeter to monitor the DO during delivery oh. um, and ended up having like to purge out our lines for a little bit when the new truck showed up. Um, so it, I think it's just like, like, there can be anomalies like that. It mm-hmm. wasn't a long-term thing. It could have just been, like, a weird few months of CO2 production or something. And, yeah. And we, we definitely did see the impacts of it. Um, so I think it's something to be conscious of, but it doesn't seem to be a pretty widespread issue. It mm-hmm. just could be, like, a gas yeah. issue. Yeah, so on this table from Hawk, um, they have, so a concentration of oxygen, O2 impurity and CO2. So, at 0.001%, which I think is probably the best you can get, um, at 0.5 volumes of added CO2 that translates to about seven PPB of oxygen. Um, but if your purity is 0.02, so if it's like 99.98%, 
um, you're just straight adding oxygen, and that can be 142 ppb at like 0.5 volumes of CO2, and you're probably adding more than that. Uh, two volumes, yeah. it's 567 ppb. So, so if you're getting the purest CO2 that you can, if you carbonate a beer to 2.5, you're adding 35 parts per billion of dissolved oxygen. Yeah. So keep that in mind. So yeah, remember that the pickup is cumulative. So you want to be, you know, and try to pick things that like potentially have the most impact. You know, a lot of times, well, I don't know. I think clamps are probably like the easiest thing to check, you know, so if you are running your canning line and one day you just have high, higher than normal DOs, you know, go through and tighten everything up. And I think a lot of times yeah, just good that. first thing to do. Yeah. Or the guy who's working on our canning line also mentioned, um, I was asking him what kind of the biggest reasons he sees for, for high DOs and he mentioned uh, tightening tri clamps, but then also when you're bringing the beer over, um, if the lines aren't properly purged, that that can cause a lot of uh, some high DOs there. Yeah, we end up dumping, like sending beer to the filler and dumping that to the floor, and then sending beer to the filler again, and dumping it, and then sending beer over for packaging just to make sure that we're we're not getting any DO pickup from from that area from the line purging. Okay, I think uh, that was a lot about D.O. That was a lot of D.O. talk. I'm all excited about D.O. now. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a fun thing to be excited about. Yeah. What have you guys seen as being, this is you guys for our listeners, not you, Julie. (laughs) 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 What have you guys seen as your biggest oxygen pickups or maybe some uh, easy fixes that helped out your DO. What are some, uh, what's an action item we can give people? Start measuring your DOs, I guess. Research some DO meters if you don't have one. Write down your DO measurements. Yeah, yeah, so have a way to like log everything. Them. Yeah, because we'll, our brewers write down the DOs that they're getting in the tanks on the brew logs and then you know, we can just, you know, they're handy for any kind of troubleshooting um, to be able to go back through and, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll find a batch that there's just no DO recorded and sometimes it's, you know, because canning line was using it or whatever, it was clogged or something was going on, but it's nice to, to have all the data available when you need it. Okay. Thanks for listening. Send us an email that uh what's our email address check your beer at gmail.com oh god is it just yeah i think so hopefully that's right obviously we check it a lot i think it is (laughs) (laughs) all right i'll talk to you guys next time thank you for listening to check your beer send us an email at checkyourbeer at gmail.com for any questions or episode suggestions Uh, Check out our show notes for what we talk about on each episode. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll catch you next time on Check Your Beer. Thanks for listening.